Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 49 with my friend Sarah. Uh, this was a great interview. We really run the gamut of topics uh, from talking about growing up in an affluent upper class neighborhood to the gentrification of Detroit to the medication you prescribe your kids um, and Sarah's experience with all three of those amongst many other things. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview and stay tuned after the podcast for Ask a Therapist with uh, resident therapist Jenny Helms. And she is going to answer a listener question about what fun is going to look like after the coronavirus pandemic is over. It's a fun, it's a fun one. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. And I will talk to you guys after the episode make sure you give us a little rating and a review while you got apple podcasts open why did my voice just get so high this is my friend sarah how are you good how are you doing good long time i haven't talked to you in a, quite a while yeah right yeah it's been a long time <laughs> <laughs> Like so many other people, I know you from Best Buy. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. And a little different because I hired you, right? Like I interviewed you and... It's been yeah. so long. I was like 18. Yeah. So that's... yeah, and that's Probably, but I knew you. That's something I wanted to talk about too because that's that job, especially leaving that job, made me realize like how old I felt. <laughs> there. Uh, yeah. Just because it's... Uh, when you're constantly around like... 18 to 25 year olds and you're like 30 it's like wait you're a like, second okay yeah what am you i know? doing <laughs> yeah. like why am i mm -hmm. still staying up till 4 a.m every night um and so on but but to each their own uh so i met you at best buy and yep i left shortly after yes and then um yeah other than like social media we haven't really interacted much and I know little about you. I know you do photography and you went to or going to CCS, went to CCS. Yes. Um, kind of went to, then took a break, then went back and then changed my major. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And I so, know, yeah. I know a number of people that gone there. Um, and it's, I think obviously as a musician and like art's a great outlet and I'm curious to hear your input on that as well. But Going back in time, <laughs> uh, did you grow up around here, like in Michigan? Yeah, so um, I grew up in Bloomfield Hills, and um, my with my mom and my stepdad. Um, she was remarried when I was like three. Okay. So I mean, it's pretty much everything I remember is with my stepdad and my mom, and my dad um, has always lived close by, but yeah. he's moved um, about seven different times growing up, so he's kind of hopped all over. But he's never been more than an hour away. That's nice. But I've always lived here in Bloomfield. So I've gone to the same school, the same people, the same... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, siblings? Yeah. Um, okay. So it's a little complicated. I'll make it as easy, easy as possible. Yeah. Um, I am the middle oldest in a weird way. Okay. So my stepdad is Canadian. And he has a son from a previous marriage who is Canadian. And he would come down as a kid every summer and... Um, he would be my older brother for me in the How summer. How much older is he? So we're all seven years apart. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> so by the time, and then when I was seven years old, my older brother Adam was already 14, 15. And um, he pretty much was like not coming over anymore. So I had him as an older brother and I was kind of like the older sibling to my younger brother. Yeah. He never really got to know my older brother like I did, Adam. So Andrew is, uh, let's see, Andrew was 17 now. Um, my other brother is 32 and I'm almost 25. So, so um, you're but, the only girl, yeah. right? Younger I'm brother, girl, older brother. And I'm kind of the middle, but kind of the oldest. I'm, <laughs> it's very weird. <laughs> uh, do you but have any, do you have any memories at all of your parents being divorced or were you too young to remember anything? Oh no. My mom filed for divorce before I was even born. So. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember any of it. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, what did <laughs> your parents, what did your mom and dad or stepdad or both do uh when you were born for work so my mom was an accountant for wjr the radio station oh, yeah, yeah. when i was born yeah yeah that, that's what she did when i was born um they worked her a lot so she ended up leaving that job when i was young um and she's still an accountant 
So that was her position. She's an accountant. Okay. Um, very linear, very mathematical, very yeah, yeah. straightforward, not artsy. <laughs> um, my stepdad, um, who just retired after 46 years at General Motors, <laughs> he wow. just retired last year. So that's what he does. And then my dad is a, um, a district manager for uh, Lake Trust Credit Union. He does like, uh, he basically, if someone like a car dealership's like finance their cars and their lot by yeah. going through a union and some weird finance stuff. So no art people, just me and my older brother, my younger brother, RC. Yeah, it's funny. Cause I always, I always find it uh, difficult to relate to the left brain, right brain um, comparison. Cause like, I love math. I'm really good at math. It comes super naturally to me, but I also nope. <laughs> will sit there and like sketch and make up songs and shit like all day long. Like, I That's activate cool. both sides of those. So it's funny when people are just like 100% one direction. Um, I imagine accountant is very much like that. When I get yeah. into accounting classes, I was like, yeah, I don't think this is for me. Like, I know there's money to be yeah. made, but this is not for me. The only math I was ever good at was when they didn't have any letters in it. Like, if it was just like, really, like basic numerals. <laughs> Once you had algebra, you were math, like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, though, because my younger brother's really creative and he's yeah. like, he got a perfect score on his SAT. So nice. like, he's so creative, but he's also really good at math. And I'm like, yeah, nah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's really nope. funny. Uh, me. So what's life like growing up with your mom, your stepdad, um, and then your older brother until he kind of stops hanging out? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was like interesting. Cause like, I think the biggest thing I realized is being an adult is like, everything's normal to you when you're a kid because like yeah. you don't that's all you know so like it's like so normal like it was normal to see my dad on wednesdays that was our days or wednesdays and a weekend it was normal to have dinner with him it was normal to have my brother my older brother come over um it was normal for me to make like every father's day i'd make two crafts my whole life like you yeah. know in school where they're like yeah you get to make a craft and they're like why are you making two it's like i have two dads <laughs> yeah you know like so i mean it was normal for me. Um, and surprisingly enough, um, in the area that I grew up in, there are quite a few um, people in a similar boat, where there's a quite a few kids that also have parents that are divorced or remarried. And, you know, I mean, I just thought it was normal. Yeah. Because um, there's so many more. I don't actually think any single one of my friends that I know of has parents that are still together. Yeah, which is so, crazy. Um, <laughs> like the, the shift yeah. in that over the last like 20 years is just uh, is nuts. Like my parents got divorced in the 80s and I was super young and like it was such a faux pas to be divorced. And now it's, yeah. it's like statistically, I think you're more likely to get divorced than you are to stay together, which is both sad and crazy. <laughs> yeah. And a uh, lot of people like millennials aren't even getting married. They're just kind of like living together and like yeah. not getting married. So, I mean, I can't say I, I don't, I can kind of see why now because divorce is expensive and yeah. you know, a lot of legal crap. So <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's weird. That's very nuts. Um, but it was weird cause I was the oldest when he wasn't there, which was 90% of the time. And then I was the bossy one when mm -hmm. he was, when my little brother was born because I became the oldest kind of, yeah. but I always still felt like I was in the middle um, of everything, whether it was like my mom and my dad, because they're very different people. Yeah. I'm not, I don't even know how they were together to begin with, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> they're so different. I'm like, how do you even like ever date? Like, <laughs> did you find yourself being um, like the, the peacekeeper? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. Um, the one more with my dad than my mom. My mom tried really hard to protect me um, from my dad because he um, he has like bipolar and um, yeah. he doesn't he doesn't get self help, which is ultimately why my mom divorced him was because he ended up permanently going off his medication. So, um, you know, she kind of shielded me. She never really talked badly about my dad. That's good. She didn't warn, she didn't warn me either, though. I yeah. mean, I never really knew what I was getting into. And, you know, I mean, I definitely saw the problems he had yeah. when I out with him. Well, my only pushback <laughs> with that would be like, I mean, what do you say to a kid? Because, I mean, I'm, I, don't, I can't begin to try to explain bipolar to a, a child. <laughs> like, what? If your dad yells um, at you, it's not your fault. That yeah, would be nice to know. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> if your dad does all these things, it has nothing to do with you. It's nice no, to hear that... that she didn't like shit talk him to you though. Cause that, no. I mean, like I, I've been part of that, uh, where like now I, you know, my dad died five years ago. Oh, was, I'm sorry. He was an alcoholic his whole life. So it was it eventually yeah. what killed him. But, um, but I know I didn't really have a good relationship with him for years and years and years uh like the last you know what how old am i i don't know the last like 17 years, <laughs> 17 yeah. 18 years um and 
now that I'm older and like been in therapy for however many years, love therapy. Um, <laughs> Same. I've yeah. been in therapy my whole life. <laughs> yeah. I got a, I, we were ending my session earlier today, actually. And I was like, can I just like, I wish this was like a vending machine where I can just put in money and be like, let's just keep talking. Um, yep. but yeah, apparently that's not allowed. Uh, <laughs> but now I'm looking back and I'm like, I don't think I had an accurate portrayal that I developed of who my father was because I was fed all this shit in one year, you know, from yeah. uh, my mom and other people in my life. So it's, it's cool to have a parent that where why you didn't get the warnings that you, you you're asking for, but you definitely you didn't get the shit talk, which is nice. No, not for my mom. My yeah. dad was the one that put me in the middle more often than not. Yeah. And that was really hard. Like, And he'd like show me all these legal papers and things that like I was like a 10, 12. Uh, yeah. I'm like, I don't get any of this stuff. Like, yeah, you know, and, you know, for the longest time and I give him credit because the past five years, I'd like to say since I went to college, he doesn't do that anymore, but it doesn't erase the entire life up till then that i kind of had two different opposing forces and yeah. i'm right there in the middle so what role did your um, relationship with your stepdad play in all that he actually um i actually really respect him um i've heard a lot of bad things about stepdads and i couldn't have really asked for a better one yeah um he's very calm very opposite of my dad um very uh just very different um you know it's kind of funny i went from one extreme to the other he's yeah. very different <laughs> um and uh you know i mean he actually was the one who taught me how to drive um you know because my mom and my dad would freak out and he always remained calm he, he's very level-headed yeah so um do you think we be, used to sorry do you think he was bu um, like a buffer um as as, an, as a third adult that was just kind of more like in the calm supportive role yeah, I mean, he wasn't, he's a little passive, so I never really got support from any of my parents, to be honest. They're, they're really passive, um, really passive people, um, and, uh, kind of like, uh, like when you tell them something, um, and they just kind of like listen, but there's, it's like almost sometimes talking to a wall. Yeah. So, I mean, that was my big thing is I really felt growing up, and which I'm so glad I had a therapist or lots of therapists, um, was because I never really felt like I had an outlet that I felt like nobody really understood what I was saying. Yeah. So he wasn't necessarily a peacekeeper, but he didn't yell at me and he was there. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about your relationship with your younger brother once you like were a teenager and he was the little kid? What is, what is um, that like? It was like, it was funny because we were so up until about the last six months, actually, we really didn't have a relationship. We didn't hate each other. We didn't love each other. Yeah. I mean, I loved him, but you know what I mean? Like, it was like, it's so weird when you're a kid because when you're 14, the last thing you want to do is play the little brother. And he wants to play, you know, he wants your friends. And, you know, he's the youngest, so I feel kind of bad. And he got a lot of way, a way with a lot more stuff than I did. Yeah. That's, that's how the youngest works. <laughs> uh, I got so jealous of him. He got like a laptop. I had to buy mine. I had to buy my phone. He just got all this stuff. And I'm like, wow. So for the longest time, I was a bit jealous, but now um, we have a really good relationship. We have very similar interests. Yeah. We're, we are both in robotics. We send basically the majority of our text messages of cats and memes and, you know. <laughs> all the important you know, stuff. Older, yeah. All the important stuff. And my older brother and I, despite the fact that he still lives in Canada, um, we, uh, we kind of, you know, I mean, he's there. I don't really know my older brother at all, but I know that he's there. And I know that every now and then when he likes my stuff on Facebook or reaches out to me, it means a lot. That's so, nice. Kind of cool. Yeah. Is So that when he hit a certain age, did he like essentially stop coming to visit? Yeah. I know there's more than I like knew. I know that um, Don's previous marriage, she got remarried and moved farther away and things that I just really wasn't informed about or didn't ask about as a kid. So there, there's more reasons than the fact that he was older. Yeah. Um, and, you know, back then, like, I didn't have his number or Facebook, and it's a whole different country. So, to me, it was, yeah. like, so crazy. Every time I went up to Canada, I was like, ooh, it's an adventure. I'm going yeah. to a whole other universe, kind of. Well, it's so... nuts we can't even go there now. <laughs> no, <laughs> I know. It's, it's, uh, oh, my gosh. It's wild. Um, so, I, I want to project some stuff onto you. Cause That's okay. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, you know, Bloomfield is known uh, as a certain area. <laughs> I yeah. already see the eye roll. Uh, yeah. <laughs> People judge me so much the way I grew up, and yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm wondering about that uh, that lifestyle, and I ask it because, like, I did a recent interview where um, 
girl moved up or moved up, grew up on like the north side of Chicago. Parents mm-hmm. were both like doctors. She and she was just like, yeah, normal childhood. I had this, this, this. I was like, well, hold on, <laughs> let's let's dissect that word normal. And I'm glad you addressed that early on because yeah, normal is is all relative. Um, it's relative, yeah, completely so, relative. I mean, are you? Or did you grow up with any privileges um, that you, because of maybe your parents' careers or anything like that, that you are recognizing now as you get older? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just going to say it outright. The first privilege is that I'm white and I'm living in an affluent area. So, I mean, those two (laughs) things alone already gave me more than any, than some people. Yeah. Um, And, you know, um, I'm going to be honest, um, my father and my mom and my stepdad are all very, um, they're a bit racist and they don't understand the privilege and how lucky they are. And they, and it's kind of the boomer mindset. Well, I earned it. This is, yeah. I, you know, that kind of thing. So like growing up, it was like, I never really got that. And I'm kind of lucky because I never really understood the concept of like why they thought that because they earned it, that means that they are entitled. Yeah. Um, to be honest. <laughs> well, I wonder so... where, where did you develop your own values in that area? Cause a lot of times, I mean, if you grow up in that household, unless you like just take a strong left turn and rebel about <laughs> a bunch. Um, I was a good kid. I, I didn't rebel. Yeah. And that's anything. what, that's like kind of what I got from you when we first like met. But so I wonder um... how you kind of formed your own values about that. Um, growing up or if you are able to even identify that yeah I mean so um, my dad always used a lot of derogatory terms to people of color and I never really got that and some of them I never even knew what they meant until Google became a thing in my life and I could understand oh this is what that means that's like really old racist and not okay yeah um you know and I had to go to church every week um my whole life up until I was 18 and I'm like I was so happy my senior year I'm like yes I don't have to go anymore (laughs) And the way they talk about it, too, and we went to Kirk in the Hills, which is, like, a really bougie, expensive membership paid. And it's like, why are Ooh, you, Ooh, a know, membership like, you know, paid church. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Doesn't cool. that defeat like, part of the purpose? Um. I, I, yeah. And you know what? I respect, I don't have a problem with religion. I have yeah. a problem when people pick and choose things in their life, yeah. whether it's, like, their, you know, their wealth, their beliefs. Like, you can't take one page of the book and then write the other pages in yourself because that's what you like to believe. And I've always been that way. I have always been that way. I don't think there's anything that's led me up to believe that other than the fact that it never really fully made sense in my brain as to why people thought otherwise. It just never made sense. Um, And I didn't like it. I didn't like the way that, you know, my dad treated other people sometimes. I didn't like the way that um, I didn't like that. It, it bothered me even as a kid. So it's like, well, I don't want to be like that when I'm older. So I'm not going to be like that now. <laughs> um, so jumping back to just going to church because religion mm-hmm. always fascinates me. I've never been a religious person. Um, <laughs> <Me either. laughs> so, well, with that response, I mean, what was, what role did religion play as you were younger? I mean, when I was a kid, obviously I believed in all sorts of stuff because you only know like essentially what your parents give you um yeah but what did uh what role did that play is that and what kind of church is that if you don't mind me asking um presbyterian so my mom was raised catholic my dad was raised catholic they both went to catholic private school so they were like very catholic so that's Um, where the passive comes from (laughs) yes um my dad i don't really know if he believes religion anymore my mom excuse me always has um presbyterian isn't as extreme but um it's played a role in my life. I mean, I went to vacation Bible school um, every summer. I had to, you know, do volunteer work. Yeah. Um, but, like, okay, I have ADHD. So as a little kid sitting in church, it wore the shit out of me. <laughs> you know, I just, I, I just didn't get it. And yeah. nothing they said made any sense. They had some things that made sense. Like, oh, you know, love your neighbor, do this, do that. Okay, they have some good things in there and some good lessons. But then beyond that, it's like, oh, you know, you got to. You gotta hate pe- these kind of people. You get, you know, all these things. Pay all these fees. Look this way. Dress this way. And yeah. I hated that. I hated looking a certain way for somebody else. I hated having to be a certain way. I felt that in my life, religion was just a way to control people to believe that what they're doing is good. And it's like yeah. I can do good on my own. I don't really need a god to tell me to be a decent person. I don't need a god to tell me how to dress. I hate these leggings. I hate these tights. I hate all these clothes. Yeah. I hate wearing this fancy stuff. Like I hated all of it. It made me feel like I was 
forced into being someone that I wasn't. Yeah. I didn't even feel myself going to church. I was just being what my parents wanted me to be. I mean, that's, so, I think that's probably a chunk of a lot of people's childhoods just yeah. fitting into that mold as, as much as you think you need to. Um, I just hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I was never a conformist. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I, was a, I was a punk rock kid myself, so I, yeah. I'm all about that anti-establishment. Yeah. Um, so shifting the lens a little bit. Okay. When do you get into photography? Or my art. whole life. Okay. When so I, I used to use my allowance money to buy those CVS disposable film cameras. Yeah. I have pictures dated all the way back when I was like five years old that I took. Okay. So my whole life I've been taking pictures. Um, it didn't get serious until high school. Um, when I started getting awards for it and like getting better equipment and like you know I was the um, editor in chief on newspaper, the editor in chief in yearbook. I actually every single pretty much eighty percent of the pictures from. My high school career and the yearbook were taken by me. Plays, football, basketball, swimming. I mean, I I hated being at home, yeah. and I wasn't a bad kid, so I wasn't going to go do stupid shit, so I just did art. Yeah. <laughs> I'd go to the basketball games. You don't care about basketball. I had my camera. i take pictures, you know, and my teacher didn't complain. She didn't have to get the other students to do it. Did you so. <laughs> find an opportunity in, in photography that allowed you to not be at home? Like, did you, you know... Um, let me try to ask this in a way where I'm relating it to myself because then I can mm -hmm. probably make it make more sense. Um, so I, in sixth grade, I skipped school a lot, <laughs> like a lot. Like, I would have gotten whooped for that. Um, to the, well, like to the point that cops came to my house and were like, you have to go to school. Yep. It's legally you have to go to school. Um, but yep. I didn't feel safe at home because my, my brother was like super bully and school. I was not doing well uh, like everyone's an asshole at school so yep, I like, <laughs> yeah didn't feel safe at home didn't feel safe at school so I just started skipping school so I could be at home by myself and like at least part of that day I would have like a safe space um and I wonder kind of turning that back on you if you found your safe space in these after school activities and photography and stuff like that yeah for sure um definitely like it definitely I didn't like being at home either. Um, I didn't have a car. I didn't have a license. I had a couple friends. Um, you know, I had like a couple friends, nothing crazy. Yeah. Um, but I always kind of like didn't mind doing my own thing. So I'd go after school and I'd take pictures. I would hang out with the band kids. I loved the band kids. I'd go to the football games and hang out with the color guard and sit in the band section, the color guard, you know. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't antisocial, but I definitely tried to do things that would keep me away from things I didn't like, like being at home. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. When you said that you got serious about photography when you started getting awards and stuff for it, um, what put you in that arena? Like, did you submit your stuff? Did someone encourage you to submit your stuff? Like, how did, how did that play out? Uh, I had a teacher named Mrs. Brownson and, uh, and another teacher, I can't remember her name, um, but I had them my freshman year of high school and I had my first darkroom class, which was like so cool. Yeah. It's too bad they got rid of that. But as soon as I did, like got into that, they realized that God, I didn't even I think about good. that. They don't have any of that anymore, do they? Because it's all no, digital. No, they got rid of it oh my, my senior God. year too. <laughs> they got rid of the darkroom. I never uh, had. I had it. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah. No. So that got me into it. When you're in art class, if teachers like your work, they say, hey, I like your picture. I want to enter it in Scholastics. Oh, cool. Scholastics is what they do in high school. Um, so they entered some of my poetry. They entered some of my uh, mixed media, some of my photography. I never got anything. The crazy, the best award I ever got was being a part of the best of college and high school photography 2014. Um, I was published in a book. That was nice. kind of cool. Yeah. And a couple silver keys. But, um, I mean, there was no one really to tell me to do art. I've been doing it so long that I didn't really need anyone to tell me to do it. I yeah. just, the fact that someone appreciated it and wanted it to go somewhere, if it could, was really neat. Yeah, that's so. awesome to have that, that support behind you and something you enjoy doing. Um, so, what, I mean, what, what does photography turn into for you as high school kind of rounds out? and A therapy, honestly. <laughs> it was therapeutic for me. Yeah. Um, it was a way to get out and do other things. Um, in my life now, I went to school to study it at CCS for over two years. I've come to find that I really like it as a therapy, which is actually why I ended up changing my major into art education as of recent, okay. because it took away the therapy and fun when I had to do it forcibly 
as a business. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I just, uh, just on the note of art education, um, does that have anything to do with art therapy as well or no? I was very interested in art therapy, um, but I discussed with my therapist about it and, and it, it's really hard to get a good spot in it. Yeah. And I'm not looking to make a whole lot of money in my life, but I know that education teachers have unions and they have yeah. ways to at least get you. The last thing I need is more debt in my name. And <laughs> art therapy would be cool to study after I get an education degree. Yeah. Um, you know, I know I would be good at that, but um, and I looked into that as an option, but I was more concerned about the fact that I want a job. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I only ask because I, I didn't even, uh, my friend is starting an art therapy thing right now, like via Kickstarter and, I like, you know, dabbled in like her Kickstarter video and was like, oh, that's interesting. And But I still never like understood or heard of art therapy, which is crazy to me because fuck. Um, but <laughs> I just. It, yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. like aromatherapy or like well, yeah. any other type of therapy. You know? Yeah. I, mean, I just, it's just finished, another way to. Yeah. I just finished a book called Childhood Disrupted that talks about mm. trauma and um, just different ways to heal from trauma. And one of the things they talked about is art therapy. And I was like, okay, I'm listening. And I'm like going through chapter and. And I didn't realize the specifics you can pull out of it. Like uh, the example they gave was someone drew something and like there was a clock on the wall that had the hands around the 12. And like they found in a lot of their pictures, there was always this this clock in the background and the hands were on 12. And they were able to uncover like that's because something traumatic happened to them when they were 12 years old. And Interesting. Yep. Um, there's another example with like there was 21 drops of blood coming from a heart or something someone drew and they're like something happened at 20 like they were able to relate age to some of the numbers and stuff in there which i found incredibly interesting um so i never thought about that as a way of uncovering trauma that's, yeah that's that sounds like the heidelberg project in detroit i don't know if you've ever heard of the heidelberg project but there's clocks everywhere and a lot of yeah. them are at the same time and it's the same kind of thing where something happened to him at that point in his life oh that's interesting yeah, really i don't know interesting. i don't know the background of, of that i know of it I didn't know. It's worth to see. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, I'm going to go all over the place, but you are a pretty outspoken advocate of Detroit in general. I love Detroit. <laughs> I, just, um, I mean, where, tell me about that transition going from like, when did you start going to Detroit and being like, this place is great. Cause if you were to put a label on yourself, <laughs> um, uh, externally again, uh, I don't mean any of this, but I have to, I have to ask from a, from okay. like a stereotype position of like, grow up in Bloomfield. Go um, down to Detroit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there's definitely no broken and abandoned homes here or, um, um, you know, things like that. And if anything, going to Detroit has showed me that not only have I lived an incredibly sheltered and privileged life, yeah. but, um, you know, when I grew up, like my family made Detroit sound like scary and lock the yeah. doors, be I scared. Know. It's I like, can relate. <laughs> what? Like, you know, and when I went down there, I'm like, this isn't true. These people are just like suffering because they're part of a systematic failure. Like this has yeah. nothing to do with anything on the fact that they weren't lucky enough to be born into a community that I was, yeah. I mean, and, and that's no one's control, but people should be aware that, um, that it's different, that every, like, I can't believe that I can go from by Wayne state and CCS, I can go two miles down the road and it's complete empty, oh, yeah. burn, nothing. Yeah. And it's prominent from Bloomfield to Detroit and Detroit to Detroit, East side, West side. I mean, yeah. it's like very obvious that, um, where the money is, no matter where you go, no matter where you live, the, you can spot pretty quickly where the money is just based off of the conditions. Yeah. And living in Detroit never scared me. I mean, I was never bothered by anybody. I never bothered anyone. No one ever bothered me. Um, I mean, it's not scary. Like, so many people are like, oh, I grew up in Detroit. It's so scary. My mom grew up in Pontiac. Yeah. She's born and raised in Pontiac. Okay. Um, my dad moved a lot. I don't really know much about that. But, you know, I'm not scared of Detroit. It, yeah. it is what it is. Um it, you know, what I really feel bad about, one of my close friends just moved to Pontiac, and Pontiac and Flint are really suffering. Yeah, and Pontiac Detroit is doing way better. The fucking stick, man. They got crapped all over. Like, Detroit, in the past seven years I've lived there, I just recently moved back home because of COVID, but I was there since 2014, so six years almost yeah. I've been down there. And it's changed. And oh, my yeah. cousin has lived down there 10 years now, and it's even changed since she lived there. Yeah. She can get a three-bedroom, two-bathroom place for 750 That's unheard of now. You get studios for that. 
So, I mean, it's gotten booming, but now Pontiac and Flint are just taking the crap. Yeah, so. and I got some, <laughs> I have some friends that had uh, some businesses in downtown Pontiac, and because of COVID, like, they're gone now. And so gone, it's, it's funny because yeah. it started, like, a pretty pretty nice upswing. A lot of people were moving in there. The businesses were, like, the downtown strip of Pontiac, uh, was that Saginaw Street, um, was, like, building back up and then like COVID hit and uh, you know, like businesses like that can't hold out for seven months without being open. And there's no, it's been six, over six months since they've given any, anyone any help and yeah, they're still bickering crazy. about another. It's just sad. Yeah. And that's another thing too. I'm actually reminded me of growing up. My dad lived on the other side of Bloomfield up until I was about 10. And there used to be a GM plant that was there that shut down around 2004. I don't remember. Yeah. But I uh, I remember that. I do vividly remember once that plant across the street from where we live shut down, everything around the Silverdome went down, the Walmart went away. All these. It's just it's just an empty growing field now. Yeah. Um. And you know, I mean, that's kind of like what. Pontiac's turned into what um, even parts of Detroit, the Packer plants are owned by billionaires. They just don't touch them. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they got too many <laughs> photographers going in there and taking pictures of it. Oh, I got called by someone called the police on me when I went in there last time. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, but these rich people own these buildings, but they don't do anything about them. Yeah. And it's like really sad. To well, see. I mean, look how long it took for the Silverdome to get torn down and the train station to be rebuilt. Yeah. Yeah. by ford That's and it's funny one. i'm gonna i'm gonna have an old man moment because i'm talking to you and you're talking about detroit and it's it's a i grew up with that same uh that same thing from parents and teachers and you know like detroit scary place but yeah. I, and I i was like i said i was a little punk rock kid so we'd go down there for shows all the time and at the time like it was pretty fucking sketchy <laughs> like we would go to uh st andrew's and you would have to pay people to watch your to watch your cars because if you didn't they would be the ones that would fuck up your cars okay so it's kind of like you know pay for insurance that you don't need sort of situation um, pay someone else to pay to to keep your stuff safe all yeah, right yeah a guy would come up to you when you parked and be like hey I'll, I'll watch your cars make sure no one fucks with you just give me five bucks and if you didn't give him five bucks he would be the one that would fuck with your car um, nice yeah so <laughs> there's crazy. a lot of a lot of shit like that and uh going down there now it's it's insane and like part of me is like what the fuck did they do this place it used to be super punk rock but then part of me is like oh they cleaned the fuck out of this place over the last like 20 years they did uh, and it's it's nuts so i i get where and i guess i empathize on one level with like our parents generation because i remember when it was like that but then at the same time uh yeah i got tons of friends that live down there now and would kick my ass if I said anything negative about Detroit. Well, my dad grew so, up when the riots happened too. So yeah, my dad remembers my, my dad mom. says he vividly remembers when the curfews were going on and people were burning stuff and like yeah. he remembers that. So I mean, you know, it was different back then. Yeah. Um for him. I mean and it's I mean I'm not saying it's perfect, but I mean it's it's definitely better, but also there's a price to pay for that. And I have definitely seen um that price being paid yes it's cleaner yes it's great um but now i mean like the elliches that you pay like 40 dollars to park you pay all, yeah. i mean it's expensive you're paying a price to go down there and if you've ever looked into the way that the um the silver not silver dome the um stadiums are designed and everything's designed right off the highway in yeah. and out yeah so you know i mean it's it's nice to see but a part of me kind of hates the fact that they only did that so that the, the people that have money to go down and enjoy detroit yeah could go down there and leave <laughs> well because it's still like it's still almost like a goal of gentrification at some point. It is. so it's that part kind of bugs me yeah that part hasn't changed i don't think um no which is a bummer but anyway i it's digress good and bad. <laughs> yeah um so photography you go down to school you're doing yep. you're getting art teaching now teaching Art education. Well, I, I just talk. recently switched. Actually, okay. like yeah. I was taking photography up until like COVID, and then like I finished my class at the CCS. I'm doing OCC right now online. CCS jacked their prices up again by like eight grand. And I'm like, bye. Wow. It's online, so it's like this is ridiculous. Yeah. So I kind of like got fed up with the prices I was paying there. They're not raising my scholarship, so um, I transferred over to OCC to take some prerequisites that I still haven't finished that for my major. 
Um, and I'm probably going to end up going to Wayne State now instead um, because it's not $50,000 <laughs> before my scholarships. Yeah. And I don't want more debt. <laughs> I already have enough debt. <laughs> yeah, I can relate. Um, I'm, uh, I'm going so... <laughs> to get my master's in counseling, so I'm just going to get debt regardless. There's no, there's no way around it. Yeah. <laughs> Such is life. Yeah. Um, yep. Such is life. Going back to school, you're, I mean, you mentioned a little bit, you had a couple friends here and there and band, um, but like outside of photography, what's your social life like? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, so I met my, I have one friend from high school yeah. left, that's it, Katie. Um, she's been my friend since freshman year. Um, and then I have my friend Lewis that I met at CCS back in 14. He's been one of my best friends. He actually graduated from CCS in illustration. Nice. So he draws. I can't draw for my life. Um, so, you know, I hang out with him. Um, he's very, also very punk rock, got off skateboards, works at van, works for vans. Nice. Um, <laughs> um, and then the majority of my other friends are really from Best Buy, actually. A lot of people, I, I have a lot of good friends from Best Buy. Yeah. Um, and social life, I mean, recently, not a lot going on because <laughs> yeah. of everything going on. Yeah, that's But, you know, I mean, I, uh, I mean, I've, you know, I have, I don't know, what do I do? I go to concerts. I went to, that was the last big thing I did before COVID hit was I went to a, uh, a concert. And then ironically enough, over my spring break, I flew down to see some friends in Florida. And when I went down to Florida, the day I went down to Florida, I vividly remember this. It was in March. And they said, well, the first case has hit the United States and Washington state. We have one case of the virus. And then by the time I flew back five days later, it was scary. Yeah. Like, and yeah. that was the last time I had a social life. <laughs> yeah. I can relate. <laughs> um, but we also hang out and talk. I mean, um, I went to an African safari thing where these in Ohio on a girls' trip last week. Nice. Um, where these animals, like, you just drive through a park. So I don't really like going out in public, but driving through a park with a bunch of animals doesn't really scare me as much as going out to, like, a cider mill or something or winery. Right. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you know, we all have similar interests. I have some friends that are different than me politically. And they're kind of interesting to have in my life because gives me something to to get on about. Yeah. Where do you <laughs> but, where do you draw that yeah. line? I'm curious uh, since you brought that. Oh, up. where's my line drawn? When it comes to human human morals and, and values, like um, if they're okay with um, <laughs> how's a good way to put it? I always see it online. I always see people posting. This is what's okay and what's not. And when it's on mass, it's like I don't know what to say. But like um, when it comes to moral like ethic rights, like. I believe Black Lives Matter. If you think that your life is more important than somebody else's, I'm not interested. I'm unfriending you. Done. Bye. If you don't think that your race has gives you privilege, if you're white, especially if you're a guy, um, sorry, I'm not interested. If you don't see that you have any, because you know, because that's basic stuff. That's basic stuff to to be able to understand that where you come from who you are and who you know and you know things like that that's just basic stuff so i like to believe that if you don't believe that um oh, all lives matter well nobody said didn't say that yeah. it's not about that when people yeah. can't look beyond themselves that's when i can't be their friend um you know and you know touchy subjects like abortion um i'm pro-choice i believe that you should have a choice i don't believe that um i don't you know, and some people call me a baby killer. It's like, okay, but that's my belief. Yeah. Unfriend. <laughs> you know, and I think that's the one thing that religion, another kind of going back to the religion thing, that's why religion is always so hard for me is because I believe that religion and, and laws should always be separate. And they aren't. And, like, when people like to believe that, like, their beliefs aren't directly correlated to their religion and kind of, like, like to... You know, it's just you can't do that. And I can't be friends with people that think that it's okay to to control the support things that control other people and con and um, condone bad behavior. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of people don't understand the true meaning of defund the police. They think that it just means take away all the cops and we're all done for. Yeah. That's not what it's about. It, it, and, you know, people that can't understand that or grasp that to me, I'm not interested in. Like, you know, I mean, it's just basic stuff. You, yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, believe me, I know. So you mentioned kind of in passing that you have ADHD. Yes. Was that diagnosed? When did you like get a diagnosis for that? Four years old. Oh, um, wow. I was diagnosed really young. It was very obvious. Um, very hyper, very talk very fast. Um, I was put on medication from age four until 19. 
And um, part of me likes to think that if I wasn't on medication in high school or middle school, that I probably would have ended up being a 1.5, 1.8, not a good student. But, yeah. I, you know, because um, I, I have a love or hate, hate relationship with medication. I always took it because it's just what I was normalized to. Yeah. And then I went to college. I, uh, I stopped. I was on five different medications. Because the thing about Jeez. medication is you take one. And then because you have one, you have to take another to, to co, you know, to get rid of that. Well, this one makes you fat. So you have to take this one to make you skinny. So you have to take this one to help you sleep. You have to, it's like, whoa. So, <laughs> yeah. but I was always on a lot of medication growing up, a lot of on and off medication, a lot of trying new things until I was about 13, 14. That's when we finally had the medication that I was on for about seven years. Um, but then one day I just was like, I'm done. I don't, I want to see what my life is like without this. My whole life I've been on it and I don't even remember what it would be like without it. So I just quit. Yeah. For a such a young <laughs> age to determine that you need to be medicated for ADHD. That's, that's crazy yeah. to me. Like, and for a female too, it's usually more common in males. Yeah. So do you know, um, if it was like diagnosed by like your primary care physician or if it was diagnosed by like psychiatrist, psychiatrist. Okay. Nope. Yeah. That's another I the same psychiatrist my whole life too. Oh wow. Yep. I won't forget her. She was weird. <laughs> I was gonna say, is that so you don't currently have that anymore? No. Um right. she was an adolescent one and when I was nineteen I was still with her, but then I just quit. Yeah. And um I don't have health insurance right now. Um, and you know what? Part of me doesn't think that I wouldn't benefit from anti-anxiety. That's probably the biggest thing that I still struggle with is anxiety. Yeah. So I was on ADHD medication, anti-anxiety, antidepressants. And the weird thing growing up is like, I never felt like sad, but I always got put on it anyway. Yeah. Kind of weird. Kind of weird to me. I definitely had anxiety. I, I still do. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's kind of hard because I was on it for my whole, well, the past five years is the only time in my life I haven't been on it. Um, and it's definitely been a wild ride when I was 21, I actually ended up like getting, going to smoking weed and I thought maybe that would help me relax. And I smoked weed from age 21 to actually last August and I did it every single day and it was not helpful. So I pulled Turkey that too, a month ago. I've been a month, over a month sober now. Yay. But, <laughs> um, you know, now I'm kind of at the point of my life where I'm just trying to do the best I can for me. And I, you know, see a therapist and, um, write my feelings down instead of just spew them on others. Yeah. So it's taken a lot to, to realize what is the perfect medicine for me. That's not medicine. <laughs> yeah. I'd be, um, I'd be curious. I've been, I've been reading all these books about trauma lately. Um, so I've just like been down this rabbit hole of book after book about this. Um, so then I, I just immediately go, how do you give a child at four years old medication for something that could be related to like something going on in their environment? <laughs> yeah. And that was another thing that I got put in the middle of as a kid. Um, my dad was like really against it. And my mom, and I think a lot of the reason is why is because my, my dad, when he got off of his medication for bipolar, yeah. um, I think that's, you know, ultimately what led to the divorce and she saw what became of him. And I think that there's something inside of her that might've been afraid that I might end up having it yeah. um, or having a problem. And she's like very quick to go on that medication train, yeah. perhaps from my perspective, maybe because in fear that I might have that problem too. Although I actually had been tested for bipolar a couple of times. I've never actually, they, I'm not, yeah. um, you know, so, um, but I think a part of her was concerned because she knew what my dad was like about medication um, and I think that I unfortunately got put in the shoes of my dad, even though I am my own person. Yeah. Um, and I, re and I don't have, I didn't have a choice, you know, I mean, I, I was four, take this pill. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm no psychiatrist. I just, I just, uh, that's, that's crazy to me to think about. I mean, the correlation doctors there between... crazy to me too. <laughs> I mean, I had doctors questioning me like, why are you on all this medication? And I'm like, yeah. my mom told me to, I don't know. <laughs> I always think of the movie Garden State. His dad has been his psychologist or psychiatrist for like his whole life. So like he goes to see a new doctor and he's like, lithium, how long have you been on lithium? He's like, I don't know, my whole life. He's like, who's your doctor? He's like, my dad. <laughs> he's like, okay, well, first of all, you need a new psychiatrist. Your dad should not be your psychiatrist. And uh, yeah, I think the stuff that our parents kind of project onto us can just, I mean, even if it's super well-meaning, can just be super toxic. Um, yeah. So that's that's crazy. So what, you said you stopped taking it. Yep. Um, what was, I mean, what were your, 
initial reactions to that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so I was on Folkland XR, which is like really potent. It's the kind of stuff that like they're a sponsor of the the show, by the way. No, that's not true. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. That's funny. Um, Even in the days where they could, that was the only drug that they couldn't, they couldn't electronically signature over. That's like how much they cared about having it still be a piece of paper with my doctor's signature and all the, like, it it was, it was potent. And that was like the hardest one I think to get off of. I mean, I just cold turkeyed it. Uh, For some reason, I, I don't have an addictive nature. I mean, I do, I suppose, because I did get into weed and, you know, things like that. But I, at any given time, I'm able, if I'm able to think that I don't need it, I can just cut it out and just stop. So when I decided that I was done, um, it was hard. And like, I had to learn, basically, it's like, kind of like where I have this little box of all these emotions and feelings that I never really experienced before. And they just all came out at once. (laughs) Because, you know, medication does suppress um, that and balance out in some ways. Um, and it was hard. I didn't, I did well at school though. I still got good grades. I mean, I didn't, initially I didn't tell my mom and my family that I did that. Um, it didn't really seem to alter my life. And I think that by the time I was 19 anyway, a lot of people do say that ADHD is something you can, you can, you know, not grow out of, but you can change by the time you're a certain age. It's not like it was when you were a kid. Um, and I don't fidget like, you know, that was something I used to do was fidget all the time. I don't really fidget as much as I used to, even though I'm on medication. Um, I, uh, I have better control of my emotions, but it's still hard some days to, uh, to, you know, to not have something to stabilize, you know, my thoughts and my actions. I think that's the biggest thing is, um, is, is, uh, I go to zero to 100 a lot faster than I used to without medication. Yeah. Um, when something bothers me, it, I have to just take a step back now and acknowledge that my initial reaction isn't going to be the whole, it should, it's not going to, it's not real. It's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to take a step back instead of 10 steps forward, that's definitely an ADHD thing is impulsiveness. So you just really want to, you know, it, it, you want to be very impulsive. Um, so, uh, it's been hard, but it's also been rewarding because I'm finding out that what I need without it. Um, and what I can do to help myself without it. And I'm not against going back on it, but to be completely honest with you, not having health insurance makes it near impossible to afford. So if I ever did need it, I'd find a way, but I've been doing good enough. I think in my life that I'd imagine, I'd imagine there's a, and again, like obviously I'm coming from someone with no medical background, but like, I imagine there's a benefit to being off that for like, the formidable years of your frontal lobe like finalizing its development you know like um, yeah 19 <laughs> yeah well 19 till till now like because you didn't go back on anything right like nope yeah so i was done i mean that's you're technically your brain's not fully developed till you're like 25 so you're like those years where it's you're really developing your reactions and feelings around things doing that without that medication for the first time and your remember <laughs> your memorable life uh, I mean, I can see how there would be some benefits there, especially with proper therapy added in and everything. So I, I imagine that's been rewarding in some degree, like feeling things that you didn't get to feel as a child. <laughs> rewarding and like scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Overwhelming sometimes yeah. too, I imagine. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, transitioning to kind of more recent, and we've kind of mentioned COVID and stuff but like i mean how are you how are you coping through these last six seven months and <laughs> yeah right <laughs> said you're back at uh, home i mean what's that like being back I at home with your back home. parents um i was actually still living in detroit up until about a month ago oh, okay um yeah i was living with my um then boyfriend um we dated for about two years but it wasn't a really it was a it was a very toxic relationship so um that ended up me coming back home um and it's been weird because i haven't been here in a long time like for as long as i've been here for uh because i was in college living on campus yeah so um i have to get in the routine of you know other people that aren't my age and you know other things you know and you know people at our school are are all very similar and you know here it's it's not (laughs) and it's weird because i'm in the same bedroom that i grew up in my whole life same pink walls same posters (laughs) posters <laughs> i wonder if it's, you're experiencing it experiencing it differently now than you were 
10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Um, it's definitely like different. Um, it's just, uh, it's weird being here. It's weird being home. It's weird. I mean, I've had 2020 has been like a really difficult thing in my life between um, my grandma passed away in June. Oh, I'm and, sorry. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't due to COVID, but I mean, still. <laughs> yeah. um I don't, I don't know how much that changes anything i mean death is death but um you know and then the relationship thing that's a long time for me to be with someone and have to move all home again it's like yeah. oh god you know <laughs> two years and, in um, your early 20s is a long relationship for sure <laughs> well and yeah and i was really invested into it and we had a whole life together and um, yeah absolutely. It, it ended badly so um you know that that was like it was like it's almost like covid went from one thing to another to another whether it was covid related or not um it kind of felt like there's always been something going on yeah. <laughs> so in addition to covid so it's like there's a pressure of covid and then there's this 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 and this under it and it's like i feel like i'm this little cooker sometimes but i just checked my grades today for school i have all a's in my classes still on week five awesome so i'm still killing it in school i'm still doing okay i'm still alive i'm still mentally here most of the time <laughs> <laughs> um i quit you know i actually do feel way better not smoking um anymore uh although it was a good suppressant um i think that my i, I have a lot more clarity in my life now um yeah. you know you and i'm not a i don't actually no okay no, I've yeah, never yeah. really been that into it. Um, I mean, you know, if I go out to a party, maybe I'll have something, but yeah. it's never really interested me too much. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little uh, weary of drugs and alcohol, given everything in my family and me personally. Was there uh, substance abuse in your family at all? My mom was adopted. Her her mother was um, um, a drug addict. So oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. Um, yeah, my dad was my grandpa was an alcoholic, so. Gotcha. Yeah, I was. I um, quit drinking fifteen months ago. Oh, 15 so, months! Congrats. Thanks. Yeah, and I suppose, it's a journey. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun one. It's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I have clarity now in my life. Um, I'm doing okay. I'm just kind of, kind of in the process of rebuilding my um, myself. I mean, my relationship thing was probably the biggest blunder this year. So I'm I'm really trying to. Uh, you know, that's one thing I kind of learned about myself is that I tend to, because I came from a past that was a little bit traumatic, I tended to drift toward traumatic people. And I'm starting to realize that um, I just really need to work on me and what I want, what I need, because I have dated too many traumatic people that yeah. have way too much trauma and toxicity for me. So that really opened my eyes, but it also really hurts to have to actually be able to see that. So yeah. it's been good, though. It's been it's been a good year to I don't want to live my whole life like that. So <laughs> well, it's useful to recognize that now and not, you know, when you're 35, like that's yep. a, there's so many people that go through life and don't recognize that pattern. And like, it constantly comes back and bites them in the ass. So that's, I mean, that's super uh, healthy of you to recognize that now and take time to like heal yourself. I mean, that's, yeah it's such a much more rewarding life when you, when you are, you know, good by yourself. Cause yep. then you're going to enjoy I need time that. with other people better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's definitely, that's definitely my biggest, that was my biggest thing about me is I, I need me for me and not for anybody else. So yeah. Yeah. rewarding, but difficult. <laughs> I find myself uh, drawn to people with some, some trauma, but I also at this point now I'm like, I want to be around people that have trauma, but I want to be around people that have also worked through that. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> like it's uh, I'm not going through that journey again. Yeah, yeah. Like I want us to be able to relate on a level that we both have fucked up past, but we can also relate on a level that we both got past all that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yep. That's... <laughs> and, and that's the thing. And being in your, I feel like being in your early twenties too. It's like a lot of people still haven't gotten to that past that stage. I mean, even I haven't. I'm oh still... yeah every day is still a new journey for me oh, so bitch, i'm 37 i'm still working on this shit <laughs> i'm telling you my wife started it's... therapy like a year ago and so yeah. like i mean i parents were divorced parents you know so i was in therapy as a kid here and there but yep. uh, yeah no i started therapy six years ago and like fuck it's uh it's great. It's a series of things I need to admit to myself. And when I do that, I'm able to work. On it. That's all yep. it is. 
but yeah, no, it's, I mean, that's that and this podcast, uh, amongst a couple other things are like the reason that I'm going to become a therapist. Cause it's, that's it's, awesome. Yeah. It's, I love it. Um, such a great path to go down for everybody in my opinion, but, and on that note, <laughs> is, <laughs> is there anything that you want to talk about that I didn't get to or discuss? No, I mean, this have is I, great. This have is I great. Kept I mean, you? I pretty much went over a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy about it. Thank you. Um, and thanks for doing this. And yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Justin. All right, Justin. Take <laughs> care. Hi, guys. Welcome back. We have Jenny Helms here, licensed. Now I'm. Now I can't think of one word that starts with C. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> licensed. Cert. Oh shit! Why did I do it again? It's not. Is it clinical. clinical. I hate that yes, word. Yes, clinical. It's all good. I, I I'm think gonna get I'm to like, know so... that word so well. I'm just yeah, gonna say so... LCMFT. Figure it out, people. <laughs> yes, and well, and maybe something that might help too is clinical represents the fact that it's like I work in a therapeutic setting versus research. So it's mm. like if you separate clinical versus research, so licensed clinical. I got my clinical license because of the therapy that I do, the clinical work that I do. So you could be a licensed marriage and family therapist or a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist, but the clinical, you actually have to, it's a, it's a degree higher because you earn it through the clinical hours you do. Gotcha. Yeah. Being a private practice therapist. Does that make sense? But doesn't C and LPC stand for counselor? And other designations, yes, because they're counselors. So confusing. But, but <laughs> the LPC also has that higher designation of licensed clinical professional counselor. So they're LCPC. Oh, man. All right, guys. I there's, know. I'm not, there's I'm a not quiz at the end of the but episode. Honestly, <laughs> if you just want to take this C out and call me a marriage and family therapist, I'm totally fine with oh, that. Oh, no. I'm just going to take this opportunity matter. to apologize for the nine billion times I've said it wrong up until this, this point. <laughs> oh. Um it's totally fine. <laughs> anyway, it just me uh, up. yeah, <laughs> um, I'm getting into the wrong field apparently. Uh, truly asks, this is a big one. Knowing what you know about human behavior, what are your predictions for the future of fun? How can we make peace or survive this very unfun moment in time? Ooh. <laughs> so, what I see this moment of time as like. I understand the fun, like the framing of that. But what I see right now as is like anxiety. Like we are living in a time where people have extra anxiety and extra stress. And so they're acting out in anxious ways. And when we're anxious, weirdly, we're not fun. (laughs) We're not fun when we're anxious and we're scared and we're nervous. And yeah, and we have our guard up and we'll be more, you know, and even it's been interesting seeing how people treat people. Cause even if you view things differently, like, you know, if you ask somebody to wear a mask, you could do it really nicely and very humanly. But I've seen a lot of people that are really, really kind humans, you know, during this time become very anxious and scared and out of their fear, they end up becoming kind of jerks and standoffish and yeah. like, you know, shaming. Right. I feel like there's been a lot of shaming happening because of people's fear. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. The people that are like, oh, you wearing a mask. What are you liberal? Um, But I like. Or vice versa. You're not wearing a mask. You're a grandma killer. Like, (laughs) okay, that's a little extreme. Um, Um, I I find the concern that I I think some of this question comes from. And I apologize. Truly, I know you linked an article to like Vox that I did not read. But (laughs) um, it is. So I was watching a movie yesterday. (laughs) Right. And mm-hmm. it was from like 95. And so they're like, they're talking to a teenager and they're like, what are you doing with a cellular telephone? And we're cracking up because it's like, obviously a change in time, right? Because uh, everybody and their mother literally has a cell phone. And <laughs> I think we're getting to the point now during like this pandemic and everything that's happening where it's getting weird in that way where like I'll watch a movie and you'll see people out at a restaurant and you'll be like, oh, my God, none of them are wearing masks. And you're like, oh, wait, this is, this is a movie from like eight years ago. Why would they be? But it's becoming such a norm that it's uh, it's almost I, th- I think that that's the way I interpret it is like, how do we get back to 
not necessarily than like this has been discussed a billion times during this like the normal that was before but like get back to like the normal where we're not constantly worried about these things like i think that's the unfun moment we're having right now um so how do you how do you what are your i guess the question was what are your predictions for the future of fun does that do we change (laughs) it well i do think we things ebb and flow like like change is inevitable we know that um but i think it's interesting to understand the context of what has created where we are right now um i think there's high anxiety i think there's political um layers to it right like we already have anxiety and then there's like another layer of how things are interpreted and things are are responded to because of politics and people's different belief systems even though it was interesting for me because i know that like to an extent certain policies and things have to you know it does come become political but there are other things where it's like you know, I wish I could have an opinion on this and it not be about politics or what side you're on or that sort of thing. Um, so I think there's a lot of like fear. There's a lot of like, we know that things trickle down from the top too. So in the sense that like, I think there's a lot of fear generally speaking, because we don't have a lot of emotionally trustworthy and healthy leadership in our country. Um, across the board, honestly, like this is not me taking a political stance. Like we just, there has not been a lot of leadership in that way. And, and every, every, all the leadership is going to struggle to an extent, but I feel like it's gotten extra toxic in the last, like, I don't know, maybe I'm just observing it more, but I think things triple trickle down from the top as far as like how we respond to things, anxiety, and then you add an isolation and isolation, like shame, fear, mental health struggles, they all grow in secrecy and isolation. And there's been some forced isolation on people where they're not able to go and connect and be vulnerable and do things that they normally would for people like with other people. And so I think generally people are feeling more anxiety and they're acting out in the ways they know how to cope with it. Yeah. And then they're more isolated and I feel like everyone's taking things very seriously right now. And it's not that we, obviously there's serious issues we need to consider, but it's like everything else that's not serious is becoming serious as well. Like I think people are forgetting to connect and find commonalities and find humor and remember that like most people are trying to work from their best place. Um, if we just are able to understand their context, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how things play out given, you know, what leadership ends up, you know, what, I mean, I don't know. I think that's going to be tough because I think regardless, <laughs> there's still going to be yeah. tension and anxieties because there is such polarity and like ideas and beliefs and views right now. And honestly, the extremes at either side, when they're using things like shame or hate or violence or, well, especially shame. I, I think the shaming right now in our culture is is really sad. Like it it just it hurts my heart. Like it really does. Cause I think that people are not intending to like have the effects that they have. I think they're just very passionate about what they believe in and then they're like really hurting themselves and other people in the process. Um so I don't know. I don't know what that's gonna look like. I, I'm not a forecaster. Yeah. But I will say like <laughs> we've gotta like if we're able to have less anxiety, if we're able to, um, find more compassion compassion and work on our, like the ways that we communicate things. So we're not shaming people no matter what we believe. Um, and find ways of connecting despite, you know, the limitations of connection right now. Like those are going to be the things that create fun and like help people remember like our humanity and that like it's fun to dance and like laugh and, you know, connect with people in a, in a fun way. Um, but you also, I mean, you get to create that where you're at, where you are and like with the people you're around, like you may be the leader in that. Like you may be the person that's like, all right, we're going to do a dance zoom party or whatever, like whatever that looks like. Um, depending on where you're at. So there you go. (laughs) 
time will I tell. I hope there's more fun. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. I'm team fun for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's weird to think about things like concerts and <laughs> stand-up comedy shows and all the other stuff I had to cancel my tickets for. Um, but yeah, well, we will see. It's because you live in a, pop, a, a densely populated area. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I only say, so in our area, we actually, we have our, we have a very small comedy like club oop, club and uh they're doing distancing but they're still doing comedians are still coming through interesting and they're you know still wearing masks still doing distancing yeah. um it's been really cool because we actually we're probably getting some comedians we wouldn't have gotten because they're like well we can't go anywhere else so yeah here we are yeah well yeah hopefully that's a sign of things to come um and thank mm-hmm. you again for joining us and answering questions. All right, you just listened to my interview with Sarah as well as Jenny Helms, our resident therapist, giving us some advice on what fun looks like when all of this is over. I, I thank you guys for listening. And as the holidays come, if you are considering not drinking alcohol like yours truly you can try out some really great non-alcoholic beer from bravus brewing that b-r-a-v-u-s bravus brewing and you can use code friend request to get 10 percent off your order and uh, i highly recommend their peanut butter stout if they have it and they usually have a barrel aged stout around this time of year i haven't seen it come out yet which is a little sad i'm a little scared about that Um, honestly, if you're going to go for IPAs or something like that, there are a couple other breweries I recommend, but you can reach out to me, Justin's friend request at gmail.com. I have a lot of thoughts about non-alcoholic beer. And, uh, if you guys just want to reach out or have a question for Jenny or have a question for me, or maybe you want to do a zoom call where we discuss anything. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving, and I hope those of you that get to see your family, it is tolerable and healthy, Um, and those of you that do not get to see your family, I hope that that is okay too, and you are all doing super great. I love you so much. I will talk to you next week.